This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affect all of us in and out of the ACB community. My first segment, Movers and Shakers, by our esteemed director, Eric. Also joining is Claire and Clark, our advocacy gurus. Later on in the show, in the spotlight, we'll be talking with Nancy Becker. And in Happenings, we'll have a little discussion about the riots that are going on around the country and how it affects not only our community, but the country at large. So we'll dive right into Movers and Shakers, Eric, Claire, Clark, welcome. It's good to be here, Anthony. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Very much. So the ABCs of ACB. Eric, can you tell everybody a little bit about what your position entails? Sure. So um, my my title is executive director, and uh, I have responsibility for managing the day-to-day operations of uh, the employees that work for the American Council of the Blind. So we're a a mighty team in uh, Alexandria in our national office. Uh, Clark and Claire are there with us, along with uh, Kelly Gask, who I think you'll probably interview at some point in the near future, Uh, Sharon Lovering, and Tony Stevens, who I believe has already been on your show, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then in Minneapolis, Claire, you were featured. Go ahead. In in Minneapolis, uh, we've got our our finance and accounting and HR components uh, that are led by our CFO Nancy Becker and. Uh, Alicia Knight, who does uh, payroll and HR for us. Uh, Nancy Fila, who uh, does any number of things for us in assisting Nancy and, and Alicia. And Cindy Van Winkle, who all of us know very well, that does membership. So those are all the folks in the, in the employee, uh, on the employee team. So along with contractors like Debbie Hazelton. Uh, <laughs> who's helping to facilitate this gig this afternoon. Yes, thank you to Debbie and ACB Radio as always. Claire, tell us a little about your position. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, so I'm the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist with ACB. Like Eric said, I work in the Alexandria office. Um, and As I always say, we do advocacy from just about every different direction. Um, So I am tasked with uh, the responsibility to do a lot of direct services. So people will give us a call and tell us what's going on. And we might be able to reach out for them. We might be able to point them to the right area of the law that they can use. Um, We might be able to give them a phone number. Um, and we may be able to walk through an issue with them, you know, for months and months or sometimes just a five minute call, but we do a lot of direct services and that's one of my big responsibilities. Um, but then we also do a lot of, um, advocacy with other disability rights organizations. So we're part of a, a coalition of 
organizations that get together and work on things like transportation issues and employment issues and education issues. So we're constantly working with other orgs as well to um, write letters to Congress, to different federal agencies, and just advocate in the government what what needs to change. Um, and then I'm sure Clark can talk a little bit more, but we do, you know, sometimes we go through litigation, sometimes we work directly with the companies. So you name it, we try to do advocacy in any direction possible to make a change. Great. And that will bring us straight to Clark. Hi, Clark. Hi, Anthony. Thank you for having us today. And thank you to everyone listening over ACB radio. And last but not least, thank you to Claire for that professional segue. Um, As Claire said, we do a lot of uh, direct advocacy work uh, for individuals, ACB members, as well as members of the general public who call into the office. Um, And Claire, Sharon, and Kelly handle the bulk of those calls coming in over the phone lines. Um, But now we're also doing direct advocacy work over Be My Eyes as a specialized service. So Nancy, Fila, Cindy, Claire, and Kelly, if folks call in, I believe it's like noon to three Eastern time on weekdays, you can also reach the ACB staff for assistance and support over the Be My Eyes platform. Um, And so my name is Clark Rockfall. I'm the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for ACB, headquartered in our Alexandria uh, National Office. And as the Uh, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, DAGA, as some people like to call it. Uh, Everything we do in terms of legislation, regulation, litigation, um, gets to pass my my desk at some point or another. Usually it's just Claire telling me, hey, we need to do this, and me saying, yes, ma'am. But it it could also be things that we work on with Eric and our corporate partners uh, regarding audio description and accessible user interfaces at the FCC. It could be coordinating with the Rehabilitation Services Administration for state vocational rehabilitation and special education um, at the Department of Education. So I know many folks enjoyed hearing from Assistant RSA Commissioner Mark Schultz at the legislative seminar this year. Uh, But more broadly, it's everything that we can do to try to put members of our community in positions to, as our mission statement says, you know, uh, secure independence, equal opportunity, and quality of life for people who are blind and visually impaired. Nice. So I want to start the conversation professionally. Everybody out there, I think, loves the idea of advocating, but sometimes you get a little lost in the idea of how do I get started? Where, what, you know, what to focus on? What would you say to someone who wants to get involved and hasn't been to a leadership meeting or isn't really um, mired in advocacy yet. Let's go with Clark first. Sure. What a great, uh, great question there. Um, Advocacy, when you, when you get down to brass tacks is really about having conversations, right? So whatever the issue is that, you want to advocate on or about, you need to be knowledgeable about that issue. Um, And then it's about having conversations and networking. So you need to reach out. Um, You need to connect. 
A great way to do that is to connect with the national office. We can help you with the education about the issue, as well as point you in the right direction when you want to reach out more broadly. Uh, and then it's connecting with your lawmakers and other folks who may care about this issue in the community. And you build that, that net, network, um, shared interest on the issue. And by having those conversations, um, you can really evolve the issue and try to move the ball forward. Um, I know it's advocacy at, at times can be very frustrating. Um, I think that's part of what we're seeing going on right now and what you're going to touch on later in this series. Um, you know, there, there are certainly times that folks feel like the system is not working, uh, but there are, there are guardrails in place um, that once you know how the system works, and if you're able to work within those guardrails, um, you can try to move the ball forward. And Claire, I know you spoke a lot about it at the FCB virtual convention, but I, I, some of the questions that I got via email for today focused around when we call in for an issue, why doesn't it end up on like the mid-year leadership agenda or why don't we hear a lot about it? Um, I think they mean more specific, like local issues or or um, things that don't necessarily affect ACB at large. Could you talk a little about that? For sure. You know, if we had all the resources in the world and all the time in the world, we would love to work on every topic that comes across our desk um, because we care about all these issues. But obviously we have limited time and resources. And more significantly, if the issue is applicable to your local county or state, you guys are far well more equipped to deal with those issues because they're really impacting you guys at a local level. So when we decide what our topics are going to be each year, our imperatives, as we call them, we're looking for ones that impact um, the country at a federal level because we are the national office and we're located right outside of Washington, D.C. So when we go to Congress, we're talking about <laughs> federally based issues, uh, nationwide issues. Um, and so obviously we have to be very selective because, again, um, we're a small staff. We usually do about three imperatives a year. But then again, we're also only picking things that are at a national level because we're the national office. So we hope that the state and local uh, affiliates are looking at issues you guys can work on. And again, you're so far better um, uh, well-versed in those topics because they're impacting you guys at a local level. And so that makes you guys the experts. Um, and so that's kind of the difference between why we would pick one issue versus another. You know, if you're having... Um, problems with the school district in Dayton County, totally making this up off the top of my head. You know, we're not the ones who know Dayton County and the education system in that particular school district. The people who live in that area, they're the experts and they're going to be the best advocates to go out there and do that. Um, so that's kind of just a, a, a brief summary of how we pick our topics and why we want to help everybody and we want to empower you and give you the tools to advocate. Um, but you guys, again, are well-versed, um, far better, more equipped to, to deal with the local issues. So a fun question that came in, but I think could actually keep the conversation going was, if we call into the national office, can you give, get us an introduction to our local congresspersons? Clark, do you want to take so, that one? Yeah, this is Clark. Um, we could certainly help with that. 
but at the same time, you don't need us for that. Um, your members of Congress are available for you. Um, they, their job is to serve you. So whether that's reaching out to their district office or their Washington, D.C. office, it, if you need help with getting contact information for them, we can certainly assist you with that. Um, it is available on www.house.gov and www.senate.gov, as well as via the often very crowded um, Capitol Clerk's phone line, which I believe is 202-224-3121. But they want to hear from you a lot more than they want to hear from us. Um, Like Claire was saying, you you all know what's happening on the local level in your district. Um, It's more impactful for you all to build the relationships with your local members than it is for us as a national organization to be reaching out to them and telling them what is happening. But if I could just uh, interject something here, I I do think that, and we do actually uh, play a role in helping to educate folks that do reach out for those, with those questions, Anthony. Um, We help uh, educate folks to call in on our, on our issues that that we're dealing with. Um, You know, we have made, um, some visits on behalf of, of our affiliates at times uh, in Washington uh, for timely uh, sorts of issues. So there, there are ways that, that we can work hand in hand with our affiliates um, on, on federal issues. There are, are certain areas of, of direct advocacy that we can certainly work with folks on um, outside of the, the, you know, the, the political uh, realm uh, in terms of helping to uh, educate folks on the laws if they feel as though they're being discriminated against, uh, be, it, be it employment or education, what have you, uh, and help connect them with, um, with even at times state and local resources. I know, Claire, you've done that quite a few times. I know I'm, I'm a big fan of, of the idea of persistence, preparation and persistence. Um, is, there, is there some advice that you could give to the listeners out there who are starting themselves on an advocacy journey? And when you call or when you email to not be one of the shuffle, how do you, how do you stand out? This is Clark. I, to stand out, I think you need to be more than just a one-time caller. Um, so I'm sure Anthony, you have folks that pop in, listen to one show, um, ask one question, right? But yeah. as a as a host, you'll really remember that person if they come back week after week and ask multiple questions or follow up questions on an issue. And that's really the way to build a relationship, whether that's with your state affiliate, the national office, your state and local legislators, or your members of Congress, is to uh, become a consistent and reliable uh, point of contact, as well as a knowledgeable source of information. And I think Claire had something as well. Yeah, to build off that, I echo everything Clark just said. 
Um, and I think another thing that I've learned that's important is to really know your topic backwards and forwards um, once you've developed that relationship to be able to provide the knowledge to the um, legislative staff you're speaking with or um, agency employer, whoever it might be, um, because they r rightfully so are contacted constantly by people with lots of issues. And it's not that they don't care, but I think we can all relate that if you were getting hundreds of emails per day, they're all going to start to blur together. Um, so if they say similar things, that's great. They know what the issues are, but they don't have the meat on the bones of what the topics are. But if you can be the one there to supply the information and say, hey, you know, this is the issue. Now let me actually be able to answer your questions and give you more substantive information. So it's not just, you know, hey, X is bad. It's, hey, X is bad, but let's do this and that. And let me give you more stats and ideas and solutions. So really honing in on your topic and knowing it, which I know so many of our members are amazing experts on their, their topic. So uh, keep, keep on keeping on when it comes to knowing your topic and really uh, becoming a self-expert at that issue. And then just one final point on what Claire said. It's okay if somebody reaches out to you and you don't have the answer. I don't know is a 100% legitimate answer. Um, I don't know followed by, but I will find out and get back exactly. to you. So you are um, increasing those points of contact and you are increasing your reliability and legitimacy as a source of information and potential solutions. Eric, anything you want to add to that before I shift no. topics? I think that's right. a pretty comprehensive response. So I'm sure that you guys work very well together when you're in the office, but since COVID-19, everything's changed. Can you give us a little idea of how it's working now? Yeah, well, so starting on March 16th, we started working remotely from our homes. And I would say overall, we've been able to be uh, highly productive. Uh, everybody on the staff uh, is using Surface Pros with Office 365. Um, and uh, actually, Kelly's got a Mac because she does a lot of design work. Um, Along with, uh, you know, we're utilizing Zoom for our various uh, calls and meetings, as uh, along with Ring Central. Ring Central is our uh, our VoIP phone uh, system uh, in the office, but there's an app that you can download to your phone, and magically, uh, the phone will ring in my office, but it will also ring on my cell phone. So it's as though I'm not even out of the office and it's the same for everybody else on the team as well. So, uh, I think, you know, I'm actually very proud of the work that we've been able to accomplish virtually, um, all, all of the stuff dealing with the convention, um, uh, you know, dealing with the hotel contract, uh, uh, Nancy Becker and, and Janet Dickelman have done a great job dealing with that and getting getting that um, a new contract signed for for 2023. Um, just this last week, as a matter of fact, a lot of big things have actually taken place while we've all been virtual. Um, we all uh, communicate, I think, 
uh, pretty well with one another. Um, and, um, you know, the one thing that I miss, Anthony, is actually being with the folks in the office because there's a lot of just organic creativity um, that happens when you're yeah. around other people. And when you're around creative, passionate people like the, the folks that work for ACB. And so th that's, that's one of the areas that I miss um, is, you know, busting somebody's chops and then going into their office and 20 minutes later coming out with, holy cow, we're going to, you know, we're going to build a new weekly newsletter or whatever, you know, things like that happen in our office. And that's harder to, to sort of generate um, uh, virtually, but we get together a couple times a week. We have a Wednesday water cooler. Uh, where we talk more about kind of the work week and what's going on uh, over Zoom, and then on Friday we have a we have a happy hour hangout where our folks can come if they want and just chill out and listen to one another's dogs annoy them. So you know, um, I, I think I you know Clark Claire um, speak for yourselves, but from my standpoint, um, I've been really pleased. Yeah, on the advocacy and governmental affairs team, Claire and I speak. Just one-on-one, -on -one, multiple times, phone calls, texts, emails throughout the day. Uh, oh, by the way, we're on multiple conference calls. And now she has started to abscond with my weekends as well. Um, wow. so it's, it's, a, it's a slippery slope there once you get into, into Claire's orbit. Um, so, Anthony, <laughs> I'll just give you a fair warning on that front. Um, and as you heard, Eric... It's like a Seinfeld episode. Eric loves the pop-in. Um, so it's, it's a little bit more difficult to do a pop-in by phone. You know, folks can see it. If they're in the meeting, they can say, you know, yeah, no, not right now. Um, sometimes it's a little difficult to stay focused and prioritize. So, for example, I was on a call with one of our corporate partners on Friday and while, while doing that video call on my phone over Google Hangout Meet, uh, four times I had pop-ups for calls from team members um, in interrupting the video. And it's like, oh no, what do I do? What do I do? What, you know, what do I hit to make this, make this go away so I can continue the meeting? Um, so there's, there are times that it can be a little bit chaotic, um, but at the same time, when, when the chips are down, you know, Tony knows that he can reach out to Claire or me or anyone else on the team to help coordinate ACB's COVID-19 response. And, and Kelly knows that she can reach Claire and me to discuss how to share a press release or an article related to the work that we're doing on accessible absentee voting. Um, and, you know, Eric, Claire, and I know how to reach each other um, as well when needed. Well, you gave me the perfect segue. I know that <laughs> um, voting is a huge in initiative right now. Where um, where are we at federally in that initiative? Um, so I can start with that, and um, I know all three of us can talk on this issue. It's kind of a um, hodgepodge of different things going on. Um, Clark and I have tried to keep a spreadsheet of what all different states are doing. And I think we've recognized about half the states are doing something in some way, shape or form as far as advocacy goes. 
um, related to absentee voting in the COVID era. So just to take a step back, when it comes to voting with COVID, most of us would like to not have to go to the polling place, which makes absentee voting even more crucial. Um, But those of us who are blind or visually impaired know um, absentee voting for the most part is not accessible, or if it is accessible, it still has significant limitations. Um, So many states throughout the U.S., um, our advocacy groups within those states, I should say, are taking steps in some states um, themselves have been proactive. Um, but it's really a hodgepodge is the word I'm going to use of reactions um, in states like New York. Um, a lawsuit was just filed um, by Disability Rights New York, the Protection and Advocacy Office. And we have a named plaintiff from ACB New York. Um, who's part of the case. Um, Michigan, a a suit was brought in the state of Michigan by NFB, and they had a a consent decree come out of that. But then in other states like Idaho, um, complaints have been filed with the Department of Justice Disability Rights Section. Um, In states like New Jersey, um, the states themselves proactively came out with policies that have then been I don't want to use the word attacked, but I'm going to use the word attacked um, by um, privacy groups who don't like the idea of some accessible voting um, processes. So we're dealing with it from that angle as well. So literally, you name it at a federal level. Um, things are, are kind of topsy-turvy. Some states are looking really good right now. Other states are still in transition. Other states, nothing has happened. So literally, if we wanted to talk about what absentee voting looks like, we would have to go from state to state to state to state. Yeah, and to add on to what Claire said, um, voting is one of those tricky issues because even for federal elections, national elections, they are administered on a state level um, and in many cases on a county by county level within a state. Um, So that gets really tricky. We do have federal laws in place like the Voting Rights Act, um, the ADA, and the Help America Vote Act, HAVA, um, that set the framework and the groundwork for accessible voting, right? So everyone, uh, regardless of disability, gender, race, um, sex, you name it, everyone is able uh, by law to vote privately and independently and to participate in all aspects of the voting process. So what does that mean? That means registering to vote, receiving your ballot, marking your ballot, casting your ballot, and verifying that your vote has been properly cast. Um, So folks have well before my time at ACB and even my, my time on this earth have fought uh, very hard for those rights and primarily have done so in the polling location and in the polling precinct. Uh, one thing that we've noticed, especially since the, the mid-90s, the mid-2000s and on, it, the rise of absentee voting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and traditionally, yeah. that's done by vote by mail with a paper ballot. And what the Fourth Circuit of the U.S. courts have said um, from a, a case in Maryland is that once a state uh, creates a no excuse vote by mail system, 
that vote by mail absentee or remote voting system becomes the the program that must be made accessible. Um, so that's what we are currently fighting in New York. That's what we're in conversations with ACB members in Indiana and Iowa and Michigan and Minnesota, excuse me, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Um, that's what we've spoken with our affiliates in North and South Dakota and Idaho and Florida and North Carolina and Kentucky. Um, this is this is something that everyone is passionate about, um, and it's something that as the and that's one thing from the the advocacy and the governmental affairs standpoint. You know, you can you can call your plays and you can have your legislative imperative set up from the D.C. leadership meetings. And then all of a sudden the you know, someone comes in and kicks over the board and the situation changes and you need to be flexible and adaptable. Uh, So right now, folks really care about voting and we have a, a tremendous opportunity to impact that issue, um, albeit on a state by state basis, but nationwide. And I, I think, you know, COVID going forward is really pushing this issue exactly where we'd like it to go, at least as far as in terms of the conversations and the advocacy that's happening. Is there, uh, do you guys have a centralized, I guess, itemized list for state by state? And as November comes closer to find out where, you know, where each state is and where, uh, you know, they can or how they can vote going forward. And as the information changes being updated, do you guys have that centralized and, and available if people want to call and find out? So folks can always call the national office um, and we'd be happy to um, you know, work with you to find out what the voting situation is in your state. Currently, there's not a resource on, for example, the ACB website, but like Claire said, we're tracking about 25, 26 different states. And uh, on that topic, I'll say stay tuned because we are, (laughs) that is something that we are actively working on and that we plan to have in place prior to the ACB conference and convention. And as always, I'd recommend folks to reach out and to coordinate um, any voting efforts with your state affiliate, because many of them are monitoring and working on this issue as well. Eric, so let's get let's get personal a little bit and let the let the <laughs> listeners get to know each of you. Eric, you mentioned the personal touch as far as the office is concerned. Are you getting some extra daddy time now that you're working from home? <laughs> Loads. Yeah. My, uh, my, my son, uh, my youngest son, Noah has gone from, uh, just a couple days before being three months old to now being five and a half months old. And, uh, my five-year-old, um, Tyler is, he's around awesome. <laughs> all the time. Yeah, no, he, um, it's, Overall, it's been really good, but the the the, the work uh, life balance thing has been thrown just upside down. And so there are times when Clark and Claire, uh, Tyler will make an appearance uh, on a call to say hi, <laughs> or he'll um, like the first week, uh, 
you know, we were working from home, he interrupted a Zoom meeting that I was leading and he said in my ear, Daddy, I got to go poop. And, um, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, buddy, you know what to do. Like, and then like the next five minutes of the meeting were spent, you know, trading stories about embarrassing things, you know, people's kids have said in front of others. But um, yeah, it's been, honestly, Anthony, it's, there have been some really rewarding aspects of it, getting to be around them all the time, uh, being able to go outside, uh, a great stress reliever for me during the day is to just leave for 15 or 20 minutes and go throw him footballs. Um, he's gotten really good at catching the ball and I can even now throw it and he'll run and get it, which is pretty cool. So he doesn't even have to be stationary. And then just getting, getting to know Noah, Noah's getting to be a lot more fun and, you know, he's more interactive now than he was. He's laughing and he, you know, I'm getting to put him to bed at night and giving him a bottle. You know, uh, he makes, cute noises um which is you know it puts a smile on my face i'll get on a call he'll be laying in my lap and you know i i find i can get through most things is you know with him in my lap so it's cool nice and i'm sure it's it's a great icebreaker when when one of those funny moments do, does happen to get a little personal and get to know people in a different way when you're on calls or I think this time has forced us to choose whether or not we're going to take the hits from the lemons or we're going to catch them and make lemonade. And yeah. uh, sounds like it sounds like you're having a good time making lemonade. I'm trying. Yeah. You know, Claire, <laughs> yeah. Claire, we know you from pick of the litter. Can you give us an update of how you and your amazing pop are doing? Yeah, for sure. Um, my amazing pup and I just celebrated our one-year anniversary last week, actually just a few days ago, really. Yeah, so one one whole year together, which has just flown by. I can't believe how quick it's gone. Um, but things are going great. She is still a phenomenal guide. I took her out um, this past week one day. The weather had cooled down and it was nice, so I put her harness on and said, let's go. And her guide work was just stellar. Even, you know, during COVID when we don't work nearly as often and we're just stuck inside, um, her guide work is still just amazing, even even in the midst of everything. Um, she's so fun. It's just fun to, you know, they always say, I remember when I got my first guide dog, they say even up to the whole first year, you're still really getting to know your dog. Um, and as I've spent more and more time with over the last year, we've really just clicked with each other and our relationship has, has really jived well with each other. And I feel very safe working with her. And so, yeah, she's a great dog and it's, it's been a great experience and I can't wait to have many, 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 hopefully many, many, many years working together with her. Have you guys, you or her been recognized and or asked for an autograph? Um, we haven't been asked for an autograph, but we have been recognized a few times, <laughs> which is always funny because it catches you off guard when it happens. <laughs> um, the first time it ever happened actually was uh, maybe three, four months ago. I was actually at the doctor's office. Silly me had um, broken a bone in my foot. So anyway, I'm sitting in the doctor's office waiting to get an x-ray. And this woman hesitantly comes over and goes, 
my daughter recognized you, but she was too scared to come and say hi, but she saw you on Pick of the Litter and loves you. So it was, it was really fun to, even in the most unexpected places, um, to have someone come up to me and say, oh, I, we recognize you and your dog and um, you guys did a great job. So it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. Well, Clark, you intimated earlier that you and Claire seem to have a almost work-wife, work-husband situation going on. <laughs> Can you give us a little insight into your actual personal life and how it might, may or may not have shifted in the COVID response, the COVID period? Sure. So you had, Anthony, earlier mentioned, well, just a few minutes ago, speaking with Eric about um, you know, taking lemons and making lemonade. Um, and I'll, I'll just share that my wife and I, we've been married, we got married in November of 2018. Um, so 18 months in, um, our wedding bands are molded from wild rose bushes. Um, and that's the band. And then we have, uh, stones in the rings as well. But the, the thought behind the bands being from, uh, the branches of rose bushes is an Abraham Lincoln quote. You know, we can lament that rose bushes have thorns, or we can rejoice that thorn bushes have roses. Um, so it's really a matter of perspective, and we've been, certainly been trying to make the most of the current situation and the current climate. Um, so certainly, things that we like to do, we. We're both uh, Paralympians in the sport of cycling, so we like to remain active. Um, last weekend, we went a little bit down the road in Virginia to the Prince William National Forest. The roads of the park were closed. Although the park was open, you couldn't drive in. You had to walk in. And we remained socially distant from some, from, excuse me, remained socially distant some from some friends. There we go. I got the words out from some friends um, and went on hikes and we're still able to, to hang out and, you know, share the experience of being outside in nature with them. Um, also, we, we do a, a fair bit of working out, not only for physical fitness, but also mental fitness, because after a day of zoom calls and phone calls and looking at legislation and regulations, sometimes you just need to, to sweat a bit. And to learn more about ways that you and others can use exercise and fitness equipment accessibly, I invite you to register for the ACB virtual conference and convention and to sign up for the accessible exercise and fitness panel on Sunday, June 4th at 1130 a.m. See how he slipped that in there? Yeah. That's, that's awesome promotion. And before we get to a little bit more promotion, Clark, I'm going to put you on the spot. For those of us out here who may not work out often, not myself, um, <laughs> what is the easiest thing you can do in your own home to get some exercise? Uh, absolutely. The easiest thing you can do is to check out the ACB community events. Uh, because I know Leslie Spoon, <laughs> the, the first lady of ACB, runs at least three yoga classes a week. And it doesn't matter your age or fitness ability. She, uh, I just joined one th this past week to figure out what it was all about. And there are folks who are doing the yoga poses from chairs, on the mats, standing. 
um, and she'll put you through the paces. Otherwise, um, just anything you can do to, to be active. Uh, one of our partners organizations, the U S association of of blind athletes is doing a research study, um, that we promoted on the advocacy update podcast, um, where they're giving folks Fitbits and tracking their active minutes and looking to increase that, not necessarily steps because it's hard to get in a lot of steps while you're, you know, potentially quarantined in your house, but you can still be active. You can still be moving around. You can raise your heart rate. Um, and that, you know, it's, it's just, uh, anywhere you look, there are opportunities to be, to be more active than you currently are. There are opportunities to have a healthier diet than you're currently having. Um, so it's not necessarily setting a, a fixed goal of, you know, some people, of course, it would be great to do a half hour or an hour of exercise every day, but that might not be realistic. Um, but it is realistic to do more today than you did yesterday and strive for that. Awesome. I, I'm one of my big tip that I give out is those 20 pound bags of dog food. Use them in your sit-ups <laughs> and your squats and your push-ups. <laughs> my my so, wife has picked up our dog and our, our smaller dog at 35 pounds and done a couple squats with him as well <laughs> it takes a special kind of dog to allow that to happen right. <laughs> <laughs> so i like to do a fast five with all of my guests but before i do that i want to ask each one of you what are you looking forward to for convention this year let's go with eric first well, I'm, I'm looking forward to us having some primetime programming throughout the week. So evening programming um, and highlighting some of the work that we're doing with corporate partners regarding audio description and uh, streaming and, and all of that. Um, I think that, you know, having this be virtual allows us to have programming on at night when people are home from work. Uh, as by then, that would be my hope that some more folks would be at work by that point and they'd be home being able to take advantage of the content. So I, I think it's a cool opportunity for us. Claire? Um, I am really looking forward to the transportation forum that's um, taking place this year. Um, it was passed last summer as a resolution to create a forum this summer to talk about the issues surrounding transportation, infrastructure, environmental access. And one of the big aspects, there'll be presenters and some pretty cool things like that. But one of the big uh, main portions of the forum is literally just going to get people sitting around a, a virtual table, unfortunately, not a real table like we hoped, but a virtual table to just hash out ideas and solutions and topics and problems and just kind of um, based on topics, we provide brain dump ideas because as those of us who are blind and visually impaired know, transportation is one of the biggest obstacles that we face, you know, just to be able to get to work and um, to yeah. see our friends and that kind of thing. So I'm really excited to just see what the outcome of the forum is going to be. And the goal is to take that data and be able to do some really great things with it. Awesome. Clark? 
And I'll just add again, uh, Claire did uh, a couple great interviews with Ron Brooks and Sheila Styron for the Advocacy Update podcast that aired on Thursday about the Transportation Forum. I'm most excited about the level of engagement that we're going to see from this virtual conference and convention. Um, you know, an in-person week-long conference, that's a, that's a really big commitment that not everyone is able to make. But now we are, through the expertise of the um, folks like Debbie and the others at ACB Radio, we're bringing this conference and convention directly to people's living rooms, bedrooms, offices. Um, so there's, there's no excuse to not be engaged, to not become experts on transportation, audio description, um, home exercise and fitness. And as well as the other sessions that are taking place. And then that's just an increased pool of advocates, grassroots level advocates that we will have who are uh, knowledgeable experts on these issues going forward. So that's what I'm looking forward to. So to have a little bit of fun to end the segment, I do it uh, fast five. I'm going to throw a question out if all three of you will take turns answering it. The first question is go to favorite album that you play back to front or front to back. Eric? Uh, I'll go ACDC back in black. All right, Claire? Um, I'm going to go back to late elementary school, but I was a big Christina Aguilera <laughs> fan and I wanted to be her. So definitely listen to that quite a few times. Genie in a bottle. Yeah. You know it. <laughs> and get dirty every once in a while. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, I'm definitely a, a child of the 90s. So give me uh, Nirvana MTV Unplugged, Dave Matthews Band, Live at Red Rocks. Um, nice. And then strictly influenced by my wife, uh, Lady Gaga, defamed monster. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. I am absolutely in love with the Gaga Elton John collaboration <laughs> on the new album. But yeah. I digress as I always totally. do. Uh, second question. What is your guilty pleasure snack food? We'll go backwards, Clark. Oh, give me some uh, buffalo chicken dip. Mm. Claire, I, that that can become a meal at times. Absolutely, throw it on a salad too. <laughs> go ahead, Claire. Um, anything with caramel, it can be candy. It can go in coffee. It can go on ice cream. You give me caramel. There used to be that commercial for the um the Milky Way caramel bar where they said, "What's better than a pool full of caramel?" And I used to yell, "Nothing! That's amazing!" <laughs> <laughs> I knew we were kindred spirits. How about you, Eric? <laughs> um, my wife uh, bakes uh, awesome brownies and awesome cookies, but uh, before they get to the end state, the brownie batter and the cookie dough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. Question number three. If you were to create a movie based on the other two on the call, what would the title of the movie be? Let's start with Claire. Clark and Eric, what would their movie be called? Oh, something like Clark and Eric, the great like car adventure. I pictured them like driving across the U.S. <laughs> together in their great adventures. <laughs> in an autonomous vehicle. In an Indeed. autonomous vehicle. That's yeah. great. 
<laughs> Eric? Clark I would say, yeah. Uh, he said, she said. <laughs> All right. And Clark, Eric, and Claire? Oh, man. I, I can't think of the the title. Um, but Eric would definitely be played by... Oh, Eric, you're going to have to help me out. Um, from Dumb and Dumber, not Jim Carrey, but... Jeff Daniels? Yes, that would be you. And okay. then, Claire, you would be played by... Cameron Diaz. I'll take no, it. No, <laughs> I'm thinking like... Uh, um, I'm thinking of the Anna Kendrick's acapella singing movie. Oh, yeah, and... yeah. Mm-hmm. But the the Australian actress. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'll wow. take it. Yes. Rain <laughs> Wilson. Yes, uh, yeah. Anthony, you just said it. Yes, Rain Wilson. Yes. Awesome. So, hold, hold, hold on, this is a very important so, point. So now, Rain Wilson and Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels today or Jeff Daniels 25 years ago with Dumb and Dumber? So Rain Wilson and Jeff Daniels. <laughs> he is an advocacy specialist. <laughs> and my last question, I ask everyone since since I started the show, since it's been in COVID, where do you want to? What is the first thing you want to do, or the first place you want to go when all all the restrictions are up? You know what? Let's start with Claire again. Um, I want to give all my friends a hug. Mm-hmm. It sounds really pathetic, but I'm such a hugger and I miss giving people hugs. So, yeah. Eric? I want to go on a vacation with my wife without the kids. <laughs> Doesn't really matter where we go. Just anywhere. <laughs> and Clark? Yeah, I'm you know, a combination of the two. My My wife and I are in... Uh, Annapolis, Maryland, just a little bit down the road from Alexandria, helping my my parents at their house with the what I call the original CrossFit, aka yard or yard work. Um, and yeah, just hanging out with family and friends. That's that's all I want. That's all I need. Just you know, people I people I care for, making sure that they're safe and happy and well. Awesome. Well, Claire, hopefully you can get all the hugs in that you desire next year, 2021. <laughs> in Phoenix. Yes. Wow. I like it. <laughs> Thank you guys and gal so much for coming on. I hope all of you will come back again very, very soon. One-on-one <laughs> after convention. I, it was a pleasure having this conversation. Have a Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks. Welcome. And Sunday Edition will be back in just a few moments after this wonderful promo. Catch the ACB Advocacy Update show on ACB Radio Mainstream, all times listed in Eastern and Pacific, Monday, 8 p.m., Tuesday, 8 a.m., Wednesday, 2 a.m. and p.m., Thursday, 8 p.m., Friday, 8 a.m., Saturday, 2 a.m. and p.m. ACB Advocacy Update brought to us by the American Council of the Blind. Sunday edition is underwritten by Ira. A description of life on your terms. 
IRA is a visual interpreting service provided by trained agents through a smartphone app available in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Or call our customer care team at 1-800-835-1934. I am definitely feeling the effects of the party atmosphere from last night, but I'm here hosting and I'm having an amazing conversation with you, Nancy, CFO of ACB. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got to ACB and what your uh, typical day looks like? I sure can. So my journey to ACB um, was interesting. I would call this almost like my second career. When I was in my first career, I worked in alterations and I worked for starting out to be Dayton's. Then they turned to Marshall Fields. And in, I think, the middle of the 2000s, I think it was, they did um, some downsizing. And so my position was eliminated. So I went back to school and got a Bachelor of Science and Accounting degree. And then I went on to get my CPA license. And about the time that I had gotten out of school, there was the what they called the recession that happened. And so I was very challenged with finding a position. I came on at ACB as an accounts payable person in 2012, and I have been here ever since. In 2016, I went from my accounts payable position to my current position that I'm at right now. And tell us what is what is some of the responsibilities? What is a day in the life of the CFO look like? I, I will give you an example of some of the things that I'm working on because day-to-day can change in a moment. So typically some of the things I work on is I review our income statements monthly with ACB and ACBES. I look to see how ACB is performing to the budget that has been approved and if we need to make some changes. I ensure that bequests that we have received are invested so these funds grow, yet there is money available for operations when needed. I'll tell you something right now is a perfect instance of where we have needed additional funds for operations. If ACB receives money for a particular purpose, I need to be sure these restricted funds are spent for that reason and that reason only. An example of that that I can give is we have the J.P. Morgan Leadership Fellows, and we, when we apply for money from J.P. Morgan, I need to make sure that the funds that we receive for the leadership group is spent for that purpose. I ensure that ACB is following financial accounting standards. ACB is audited each year by an outside auditing firm. We have an exempt tax return available on ACB's website and it is there and is called the 990 disclosure. So after the audit is completed, which we just recently completed the 2019 audit, we will be putting the 2019 990 disclosure up on our website. The financial office supports many of ACB's programs. A couple of recent tasks that we have done or been involved in behind the scenes is helping with the convention registration, which just started up a couple weeks ago, but we have been building the registration for probably about a month and a half or two months. 
Right now we are compiling or finalizing the program that's gonna to go to the printer pretty soon. We have been working on streamlining, streamlining the scholarship application process so it is easier for students to apply for the scholarships and also for the scholarship committee to review the applications. Nice. As a nonprofit, our revenue is often um, needs to obtain donations or grants from companies or other organizations who grant us money based on data that we provide them. So our offices work together to determine what data we need to collect and how we should compile it. Um, another thing that we have is I manage ACBES's thrift store operations. So right now we have two thrift stores in Texas and I manage the day-to-day, -day, the budget and the overall operations of that. Um, we also have an ACBES board that I do have to, um, that I do report to and have to provide information to. I think in the last couple of years, ACB has done a tremendous job of using this data to see where we have been and to see where we need to go. I will say that when I started with ACB in 2012, I was told there would be plenty of work for you to do. And I, for the life of me, could not see how I would keep busy for 40 hours in the office. I can tell you, it is true. I am very busy on a day-to-day -day basis. And you're always willing to go above and beyond and help out in a pinch. The, the one thing that I, that I heard when I spoke in, to anyone about you, and especially in the trivia, Nancy's going to be hosting conversations with, oh my God, she does so much. She wears so many hats. Um, you also helped out BPI when we had some membership issues. So I, I would imagine that, you know, beyond the job, there's also a passion and a love for the organization infused in those 40 hours and, and beyond. I would imagine that the job is not 40 hours. <laughs> you, on a weekly you, basis you are correct it is not a 40-hour job but i do like the work that i do at acb and i love working with the volunteers and any awesome. members awesome well you're the perfect person to explain and i think it's been it's been asked in a few different areas but why if convention is virtual why a $25 registration fee? So even though it's a virtual convention, there are a lot of things that we need to do behind the scenes. We have uh, staff that are out there. We're getting sponsorships. But beyond the sponsorships, we have staff that are working 40 hours a week to get the convention ready. We yep. have people from ACB Radio who are contractors and volunteers that are helping us get the convention ready. And our work takes time, and we need to be able to pay the staff for what is being done. So while, while it seems like virtually it just happens instantaneously, we have been working, I would say, for a month and a half on what we're going to do so that it will come off looking very seamlessly to anybody listening on ACB radio or who is going to be participating in a Zoom room for one of the sessions. So do you mind if we get a little personal? 
Can you tell us a little about your home life and where you live and what things have been like since COVID started and working primarily from home? So I have lived in Minnesota all my life. I grew up in us, I, I, where I grew up, I grew up on a farm about a hundred miles west of here. Um, I knew at the point when I graduated from high school, I did not want to live on a farm for the rest of my life. So I moved to the big twin cities here and I have lived here ever since then. I live in the Northwest corner of Minneapolis proper. So, um, I'm sorry, Anthony, I'm going to, just give me a second here. So the last, this last week has been a little tough. Um, just give me a second here. So it's been a little bit tough, but I will say that we have not seen nearly what the Southeast part of Minneapolis has seen. So, um, I'm sorry, lost my track train of thought. Um, since COVID-19, um, it has been interesting. Most of my staff, um, when the Alexandria office closed, most of my staff worked from home, um, which proved to be interesting. Again, we had did this, we had the same steps that Alexandria had. However, I do have one staff member that was not able to um, use Ring Central at our house because their Wi-Fi is very challenging. Sometimes they get some Wi-Fi, sometimes they didn't. So as soon as the state of Minnesota said that we were able to come back to work and I got approval from Eric, I anyone that felt comfortable coming back to work did come back to work. So my, most of my staff is back in the office. Um, my last, the last person will be coming back starting on Monday. Um, Cindy does not feel comfortable coming in yet. It's the transportation coming in that is challenging from, for her. So she is continuing to work from her home. And I've talked to her almost every day this last week just to see how she's doing. And she has said she's right now she's happy, what she calls in her little cocoon. So... She's continuing to work from home for a while. Awesome. You came from a farm. What, what, um, what kind of farming? If you don't mind me asking. Um, we, we had pigs. We had cows when I first started growing up. They weren't milking cows. They were um, beef cows. And then we had um, crops, mostly corn and beans and some wheat. So our summers were spent walking those bean fields, picking out weeds, or else um, picking rock in the spring. Wow. Did you have chores with the pigs and the cows? Say it again? Did you have chores relating to the pigs and cows? Oh, no. My brothers did that. There was we. There were seven of us kids. I have three brothers. There was enough brothers to take care of those jobs. Although, I do have to say, when our sows were giving birth to the little pigs, I used to love being out there because... There is nothing so cute as a newborn little pig. They have their little pink ears and their skin is so soft. I would have to, I would imagine that Charlotte's Web was probably one of your favorite books slash movies when you were actually it was. When you were yeah. in... <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna do like in the previous segment, I'm gonna do a fast five. I'm gonna start with what is your favorite book of all time? Oh my gosh. 
I don't have a favorite book. There was a series. Um, oh my gosh. Can't give you an answer on that one right now. It was a series that I loved to wa- read, and I can't remember what it was called. All right. Question two: If you could go anywhere in the world, and money is limitless, where would you want to go, and why? Well, I've been to Europe a couple of times, so that would not be on mine. But right now, I would love to go to Aruba just because somebody worked with went there and she said it is fabulous nice and quiet and just it was just a very great vacation so that would yeah. be my, my spot I'm, I'm gonna echo you on that one and 95 percent of the year they have beautiful weather so yep. as long as <laughs> as long as you don't hit that little bit of hurricane season it's all good question <laughs> number three what has been your favorite of the community calls? You know what? I am usually working when those community calls go on, and I'm on other conference calls, so I don't attend those, Anthony. I'm sorry. That's okay. And the wait, so was that three or four? You know what? I'm just going to pretend it was three. Question number four. Tell us about the funniest experience that you've had with someone's guide dog. You don't have to name names, but give us a funny story. Funny story. Oh, I'll tell you the first one. The first time I met Tony's guide dog, Palmer, I went into the office and I'm walking along and Palmer did not have his harness on. And I'm walking by and Palmer just came up to me and just jumped up on me and, and he's like, I want to be with you. And it was like, I guess from what I understand, it was very unusual that Palmer did that, but it was like Palmer just loved me. That was my actually funny experience. And my last question, I'm going to go with the old standard. If you could have any five people living or dead to dinner, who would you invite? Well, I would say I would like one of the most recent presidents of the United States, not not the most recent one, but one of the most recent presidents of the United States. I think I would like to have Oprah. Mm. Okay, I think here. Gosh, I would love to have the Pope. I think I'd like to have a president from another country. And the other one would be my gut, the governor of my state. That's pretty awesome. What would you serve? <laughs> <laughs> I don't do the cooking. That would be my husband. It would probably have something to do with chicken or a chicken and pasta dish. Something very simple. Anthony, at well, this point, we have a I know question. You said you would stick around for happenings. Um, so I am going to thank you now for opening up and telling us a little bit about the CFO life and your personal life. We will be right back after this message. 
Attention audio description lovers. On television, for movies, in museums, or at performing arts events, audio description helps people understand and appreciate cultural events. And the ACB's Audio Description Project wants to help you acknowledge quality audio description efforts. The 2020 Audio Description Project Awards Call for Nominations is now open. Let us know about the top audio description programs you've encountered. Visit acb.org ADP for more information and a link to the nomination form. The deadline is Friday, May 29th. The 2020 ACB Conference and Convention is going virtual this year, and so is the monthly monetary support team. We can't be in the exhibit hall this year, but you'll still be able to reach us by phone or by email during convention week. Sign up for as little as $10 a month or increase your monthly donations by $5 and you'll be entered in a daily drawing for a $100 gift card. Everybody who has signed up or increased their donations between the end of the 2019 convention and the end of the 2020 convention will be entered in a drawing for an iPhone 11. Want more information about MMS? Check the box on your registration form and we'll contact you. Stay tuned for more information as the convention gets closer. The MMS team hopes to hear from you. We have a question from the audience member with the number ending in 3982. Okay. All right, 3982, you're up. You're on Sunday edition with Anthony and Nancy. Three nine eight two. Come on down. I think I think that person's muted. Oh, they hung up. Chelsea, do we have anyone else? Nope, that was the last one. Okay. Well, we're going to segue into what's happening. And for the what's happening topic today, we want to talk a little bit, Nancy referenced it before, we want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the country. And I guess I will start by asking Nancy, what have, what have you been hearing in the local of what's going on? It, you know, it all started in Minnesota. What is the, you know, what is the news there? And, and, what are you hearing from your actual friends and family? So, you know, when this first happened, and um, what happened to George, I would say was not an isolated instant incident. And there needs to be changes made when the protests, protests started. They were peaceful, but then they became destructive. And the destruction wasn't just buildings that were to publicly owned companies, but they were also many small owned local businesses. And it's it's devastating to see, sorry about that you guys. Um, I would say right now there isn't any bus or light rail service. And many of these businesses in Southeast Minneapolis have been damaged. So individuals who live there and don't drive, cannot go anywhere. They can't go anywhere to get food. The businesses that are over there that that did provide food are have either been looted or they're closed and they have nowhere to go. They're sort of stuck there. Um, I would say last night, 
as much as some individuals didn't like it, we were on a strict curfew after eight o'clock last night and we had over 4,000 National Guards in our city. While some people didn't like it, I think it was the right direction to go because there needs to be some order restored. Um, I think I think we need to go back to focusing what happened to George Floyd and what happened to the individuals before him instead of the, this burning and looting of businesses. I think one one message that I would like to to definitely put forward in in regards to the the protests and the looting protesting is wonderful my father comes from a protest came from excuse me a protest culture he was a child of the the 60s and and i grew up with the abby hoffman george carlin mentality and peaceful and progressive protesting is a wonderful thing but you can't expect to have a conversation at the table if you're burning down the table and as much as we need to we need to express our horror at the inequities and some of the absolute tragedies that have happened what happened to george should not have happened it's horrible it's absolutely horrible but to then turn and incite violence and incite looting and robbery and hurting businesses that were already almost decimated severely devastated just to then anger doesn't solve anything it makes the problem worse it makes the divide even worse you can't you can't stand behind a cause when the cause is actually hurting other people and um you know it's it, it's infecting the conversation across the country uh, miami last when miami instituted a curfew last night as well and um you know there are only three instances here but proactively we don't want you know they don't want it here to get any worse and i'm not in new york anymore but i know also in new york they uh they're instituting they instituted or will be tonight i'm not sure if it started last night or tonight but they were instituting a curfew for for the next few days to to stave off some of the riots that were happening there do you do you think that what's happening in your city is a systemic cry or do you think it's just protests and anger gone wrong i there does need to be changes made and i'm going to say for law enforcement I would say the majority of them do a great job. But what Absolutely. I think needs to be done, I would say across the U.S., is the individuals such as, I'm, I'm just going to say this, this is my personal view, such as the person who did this to George, they need to go. They cannot be in law enforcement. They, they, law enforcement should be respected. And if we have these individuals on the law enforcement staff that aren't being respectful to other people, they're not going to be respected either. Absolutely. And I think, you know, in every religious affiliate, nonprofit, for-profit organization, in every, in every 
organizational portion of our society, there's always going to be a bad apple or a few bad apples, but we can't tag we can't tag the organization or the system as bad because of those bad apples. And I don't want to live in a world, you heard me say earlier that I have a six-year-old nephew and a five-year-old great nephew. I don't want to live in a world where it's, it's the policeman where he's supposed to go to, if he's ever lost or hurt or in trouble, where, where that's not the answer anymore. Um, I don't want to live in a world where, where the the police are not respected the way I was taught when I was growing up to respect there for every story that we see and they're horror they're horrible you know in my own neighborhood back in in New York Eric Garner was literally 10 blocks away from where I lived and there were riots and protests but they were done rather rather peacefully and without violence and without um you know breaking any or very few laws, um, you know, but I, I'm sorry. I, I also lost my train of thought for a second. We, we need to stop looking at, at this, looking at this as though it's us against them in, in, in a way we have to ask for and demand for justice, but we can't brandish the police force in general for every incident that we see on television that the news covers. There are thousands or hundreds of thousands of, of crimes that have been stopped, children that are helped home because they got lost, that there are thousands of just wonderful things that the police force is responsible for. And we don't see that because that's not newsworthy. That's that doesn't generate numbers and advertising dollars and so on and so forth. And yes, what what's happening in some instances and being highlighted absolutely has to be highlighted. But the way we respond to it also has to also has to be respectful and and needs to change. I look at Facebook over the last five days and I'm I'm half heartbroken and half horrified. I it, it just shocks me the the lengths that some people will go to make their points and it shouldn't especially with the political climate the last couple of years but it it does it horrifies me that that a man's death is used in this way and to justify certain actions anthony anthony hi Hi, it's debbie um you know, I, I'd love to make a comment. Um, I've, I've thought about this a lot, and I keep, I, I often go from what's happening out there to kind of what's happening within people or what's happening on the, the larger scene in the country to what's happening in families. And I think that there is a similar issue that happens in families where there's child abuse or, you know, God forbid, sexual abuse, abuse of power. And then when we see that in the police force um, and we see it in schools and on the other end of it, when we see people 
acting out where there is something that needs to be able to stop that behavior. But I'm thinking that it, it, to me, it's like a time bomb that signals that we need to be helping people do a lot more about communication. And it starts with intrapersonal communication within and then be- communication between and, and then help people deal with anger is okay. Anger is not bad, but it needs to be managed. It's a signal that there's a need for change, but we need to help people with anger management. And I think a lot of it starts through listening. And uh, so, yeah, those are some of my thoughts. Thank you. Those, those are some great thoughts. I, I want you to say that there's a lot of teleconferencing for doctor's appointments for certain other business areas and mental health professionals are taking tremendous, tremendous strides in setting up teleconferencing and and giving web therapy and web conversation. And if you know that you're feeling, or you know, someone who is feeling, reach out to your local providers and find those numbers and, and pass those numbers along. Um, and call call me <laughs> if you're listening and you need to talk you can call me um my number is available on my facebook page but um all kidding aside you know there's a, a program in new york city and i'm sure other cities have it as well it's it's called if you see something say something and i think that the, the climate that we live in we're we're conditioned at this point to be so afraid to say something but it doesn't have to it doesn't my, it doesn't have to extend to negativity it can also extend in the positive direction if you see someone who is spiraling someone who is having a difficult time say something be there offer offer an ear offer a shoulder offer support Chelsea, do we have any other participants? There were a few people that had said they were calling in. Not at the moment. Uh, line is clear if anybody else wants to call in. The joys of a live show. <laughs> we, could, we, could, we could talk about what's happening Wednesday. We could. Go ahead, Deb. So... I'm Debbie Hazelton, and I have a show that's called On the Inside Track. And um, Nancy, you better duck. <laughs> it's a look at it's a look at life choices. I'm fascinated with how people make choices that lead them from wherever they're was to wherever here is now life choices that bring about change so how do we know the best choices to make and when we look back over our lives How do we know the choices that have most influenced us from who we have been to who we are today? Join me as my guests and I explore defining moments from there to here on the inside track.
Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream. I'm Debbie Hazelton. Uh, this month, we've been hearing um, Gabriel, Gabriel Lopez, talk about his life choices. It was beautiful. Absolutely. Oh, my yeah. God, beautiful. So Anthony is going to be on the one for June. And so we're going to do it live. And I'm so excited. We're going to do it Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. I have to think in mixed time zones. I live in Central, and I'm, I'm thinking I, I need to start wearing multiple watches. But anyway, um, so we're going to do it live, and it will have replays. But I'm so excited because I get to interview the interviewer of interviewers. I mean, I think, Anthony, I think you are an awesome interviewer. And so we're going to have a great time looking at listening to about your life choices that have led you along the way thank you is um is gabriel's episode gonna run between now and then because at least one of his life choices also you know piggybacks on one of my life i know i i am not (laughs) i don't have the schedule memorized but i believe it is um, it is up as a podcast, so I think they can find that episode in the um, on the Inside Track podcast. And if you have the ACB link, there are podcasts listed. I know it's in there, um, but I I think um, I think it's Inside Track acbradio.org/slash Inside dash track dot xml i'm pretty sure that's the url for it um but um you can certainly get in touch with us and we'll point you to it but it's i that was just a beautiful time i'm glad we did that and uh, i can't wait to hear yours yeah i really look forward to it um it'll be interesting to sit on the other side of the conversation um but i (laughs) i I can't wait for the challenge. Hey, Nancy, if you want me to ask him anything, just, you know, you know how to reach me. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do. And a very good friend of mine, um, most of you know him who are listening, Mikey Wiseman, said Mm -hmm. by the end of June, people are going to start calling it Anthony Corona B Radio. (laughs) Between Sunday edition, Inside Track, and Pride Connection, you're going to be hearing a lot of me. <laughs> That's um, a good thing. That's I hope you guys thing. enjoy it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I really, that's a good thing. I'm really very blessed to, to have been in, so warmly enfolded into the ACB radio family. I'm very happy and proud of bull shows. Like I said earlier in the program, we have an amazing show this Tuesday, the Tuesday that we just, that's been airing. You'll, you could hear it again tonight at seven. Uh, we had a conversation about working blind in a predominantly sighted world. And we got uh, some amazing feedback from that show. So if anybody hasn't heard it and is interested, you can hear it again. And we're also podcasted. We've had some great episodes, uh, Pride Connection. We're, we're in our third month, fourth month, fourth month 
Um, and we've had some amazing shows um, on raising a transgender child. We've had some interviews with semi-celebrity pe- uh, personages. And um, wow, we've covered a lot of things. Let me think. Um, uh, wow. <laughs> uh, well, the oh, the, the one for this month about um, working. I, I, I keep thinking of the way you almost said it last week. Working, working blind. Working, working blind. blind. In a sighted yeah, world. That one, yeah. That one should run again tonight at 7. Yeah, that, um, I love that. I love that title, but I love the way you almost said it. You almost said working sighted in a blind world. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's another show we should do. (laughs) I'll have to bring Nancy back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right, Anthony, we do have a caller with a question at this point, if you're ready for a question. I sure am. All right, caller 4640. Go ahead. Hi, Betty Passanati from Philadelphia, and I enjoyed this show. Huh? It's good to be here. I enjoyed your uh, interview with the uh, ACB crowd, the Washington Office gang. They're they're wonderful people. I am a little confused about which person to ask for which thing you might want, because when you call the office, they just say, if you leave a message for who, who, so-and-so, but they don't quite specify... uh, who could who could help you with what particular aspect unless they all sort of do a little bit of everything well you know from personal experience i can definitely say that if you get one of them on the phone Mm -hmm. they will they will point they will point you and connect you to the right person every single person in both offices is amazingly helpful and amazingly friendly Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it, this is not PR. This is no, not me talking, that. you know, to to yeah. The other Nancy point, herself is phenomenally, yeah. phenomenally, phenomenally friendly and helpful. Nancy, are you yeah. still on? I am still here. Yes. Okay, I'll be bugging you soon, Miss Baker. And I'd li- I'd like to bug you about something that I have a little bit of a concern about. It's not really related to what we were talking about today, but. Does anyone have any connection with the Audio Now service? Um, what what are you referencing? We uh, the that Audio Now business where yes. the number that's supposed to be a radio mm-hmm. and information and we, line. We know it's a big. See what happened was Larry left. It's totally offline. Well, we, well, no, it's not exactly. Um, we're in between phone numbers and it was all set and it was all set with a new number and then it crashed again. It's a free service. And oh. so we, Jason has been working with it almost daily for the last yeah. 10 months. And the people on that service will not let us have a conversation. They do everything by way of chat or email and um i actually got mad at them a couple weeks ago (laughs) and i got an apology from them but now i think i need to get mad at them again because things are not moving like they said they would be Um, but i think we are going to get it all that to say i think we really are on our way there is um we didn't 
have all the information to do new menus and we've been changing so many things with acb radio our schedule has been changing almost weekly of new shows and new broadcasters and new streams and all kinds of things so they are you know because they're a free service they they have to work hard to kind of keep up with us as well so we're getting there just i'm sorry to say but we need you to keep on being patient but we do know about it i promise yeah because i I tried the other day i called up Mm -hmm. the the other night actually i was on a call and they gave me the new sharon lovering gave me the new phone number Mm -hmm. 508 518 something i think yeah i i called Right. And I did get I did hear on the menu that they didn't have the forum available mm-hmm. yet. Well, the so forum, said, okay. yeah, the forum is going to probably be a news line. But we do know that a lot of it, what was set up, crashed. So we're aware well, of I it. I asked. Mm-hmm. I just said. I thought, oh, let me try ACEV reports. And I was told the program is offline. Try mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. And then I said, "Oh well, let me try Radio Mainstream. The program mm-hmm. is offline. Mm-hmm. Let me yeah. try later." Like I said, so. that's what happens with a crash. We do know, so we're working on it. Okay, well, the that's, old that's number works still, but it doesn't have. Yeah, no, the other ra- the, ra- the other radio number works still. Mm-hmm. I think it's six four. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's been a few. There have been a few changes in radio yes. numbers. I see. Yes, that's true. But that's the, correct. So the, the plan is to have this radio this particular number provide both radio and say the acb reports and other and other acb related things besides the radio no it did have acb reports in the forum i think we we may be leaving having the forum available on newsline but i think it's still going to have acb reports but it's going to have all of our streams the other one did too but we've been consolidating some things differently so just (laughs) just stay tuned be patient we do know what's happening and uh, I just want okay. Yeah. I just wanted to kind mm-hmm. of uh, I, yeah. I I wanted to see if I could since I had mm-hmm. people from ACV on. I thought it'd be a good opportunity to check it out. And well, then, yeah. yeah, I hope it will because the forum is still giving the old number out. I know. I know that's from sure. That's from May. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's all, and you know, with the virus and the virtual convention coming up, it's kind of important that we mm-hmm. have the right info. That's <laughs> right. We are very aware of that, and we're doing yes. everything we can to make that. Yeah. Happen. All right. But, and, and as far as this other business, I'm in Philadelphia. We had a curfew started at eight o'clock last night and it's really and yes it is a systemic problem you know a lot of ethnic groups started what have turned into organized crime groups over the centuries because the people felt they weren't getting the help they needed from the established authority there was too much corruption so you know they felt they needed to take things into their own hands and you know the the word mafia in greek actually means family that was the beginning of yeah. Huh? It does. Yes. Yeah. So that's the thing. You know, if we don't get the establishment where it need, and where it needs to be, and there's a terrible mistrust between the police and minority communities, and and, and the, most of the police, you're right, do a good job, but there have been sensitivity problems, and then uh, unfortunately, from what I can see, the the member being arrested is upset and gets and made. He's upset. He doesn't know what to expect. And then he may say something the policeman doesn't quite, can't quite relate to. And the policeman seems to get upset or whatever. And things get terribly, terribly out of control. And of course, this, what we saw with the video and all that, I can even hear the gentleman. It's totally, totally unforgivable and totally unacceptable. But so is the violence. You know, as they say, two wrongs. It's almost like saying, geez, I'm all burned, so I think I better get in a hot tub. 
it, it, the opposite to calm things down. Not more, not more of the same. And, and I pray a heck of a lot, and I hope that we can. Uh, I mean, this this virus, I think, has brought out a lot of weaknesses and problems in a lot of areas. Number one, the, the unemployment system, the uh, whole the internet system, a lot of things. And now, and now this came up, and I I hope this. Is can be something about that. I know it sounds like a cliche, but we need to wake up and see where we are with these things and get some trust between us, all of us, or we're going to, never mind the apocalypse, we'll destroy the world all by ourselves if we don't do something. I think if we, yeah, exactly. If we don't change the narrative and change the narrative quickly, it's just going to push the divide further and further. And, you know, as I said a, a little bit earlier, I'm, I'm, I grew up from, you know, a perspective of peaceful protesting and, and protesting, um, you know, as a right to, to freedom of speech. But there is a huge difference between protesting and crimes and violence. You know, I, I said it earlier, you can't sit at the table to have a conversation if you burn down the table. I think also it's, it's, it's very important to reiterate to anyone and everyone if you're going to post on social media if you're going to go out and protest you already have the biggest tool that you'll ever be able to use given to us in the constitution and that's the right to vote so if you're going to protest and you want your voice heard then i hope you're going to put it on a ballot as well and and make the choice that you feel is best for you whether it be red, blue, or purple, <laughs> just just let your voice count there. Because if you don't, then all the protesting in the world is worthless. It means nothing. We have another call here from WG. Oh, my friend, Miss Grubb. Hey. Well, hello, everyone. I just, I just wanted to call in and say that I have been very moved by the conversations I've heard today, especially the ones between you and my good friend, Debbie Hazelton, regarding the very distressing things that are happening in our country. And I guess what I would like to say and, and get your beat on is that we have got to, you know, we all want to be individuals. And yet... In, in our diversity, in our lives. And I wish I knew a way where we could look at each other as individuals instead of saying, the other day, I, I sometimes, when I'm having lunch, watch this show called The Real, or at least the first part of it. And one of the, uh, the show came on when one of the young men in Maryland, I think it was, had been, um, had been killed and very unfortunate, horrible, no question. Horrible, yes. But this person said, and it just generated so much hate and distrust. She said, for white people, the law is just a suggestion. And it made me so angry, even though I am, was totally disgusted by what happened to this young boy. It was, there's no excuse for it. It's indefensible. It's horrible. But if we don't stop this, you, we hate you and you hate us and we see everybody all in a group and we, we don't, we don't see people that we can know and love. And, and it's, it just broke my heart. And I won't watch that show again because I thought it was very irresponsible to say such a thing, especially since it is entirely untrue. There are bad and good people in every 
generation, in every culture, in every race. And um, I'll tell you, it, it just it just hurt my heart. I, I went over and just tapped my iPhone and said, get out of there. I don't want to hear this. And I just think, I think that if we could find a way to certainly speak out when injustice happens, and it does happen, but this whole thing is just, it's just breaking my heart that you're, you're, it's us versus them and you hate us and we hate you and, and, and people who have, who are probably come to these places to cause trouble and start, start the problems. And it takes our minds off the dear individuals who have been hurt and crushed and killed and their families and what happens with the policemen's families, you know, because they've acted in, inappropriately. And suddenly it all becomes about something else and we lose track of what really happened and what we need to concentrate on. And that, and I was just interested in hearing what you and Miss Debbie might have to say about that. Well, one of the things that I think, and there are plenty of things I hear people say that I don't like and I almost, I mean, there are times that I have certainly had my share of reacting to uh, things that people, things that people have said. um, And, you know, just wanting to give them a taste of their own medicine. And yet, I think that the world is full of people with opinions. I mean, like, uh, somebody has said, um, I've heard people make a joke about you know, an opinion is like a part of your anatomy. Everyone has one. <laughs> and and I think that somehow we need to get to the point where we can say, I'm not comfortable with that or that I don't share that. And also knowing the things that are not about us. I think we need to know kind of what is about us and maybe what we've contributed to in any way but also what's not about us and then to be able to step back uh, and not try to crucify or punish the person who's saying it because we don't know where they got that and they may have gotten it from a whole lot of stuff that they internalized that if they knew, I I can look back on plenty of things I've said over the years and go, oh my God, I said that? You know, and and so to appreciate where we're changing and and allow other people that process. I I mean, I, I think it's important, you know, there are times I've been in groups where I've seen people not know that when somebody's presenting, they're presenting to you, to you, to you, to me, to me, they're presenting to each and every one of us. And a lot of people are used to thinking, well, they're not talking to me, they're talking to them. And then there are other times when we react to things that we feel like, ooh, that went right through me, that felt awful, that that affected me. Well, there needs to be a balance of when they're talking to us and and how we handle that by you know like i said even just saying no and even it might be inside me i'm saying nope that's not me okay thank you no that's not me yeah i i think um uh, i'm gonna step in and and answer as well I, i think that the us and them and they and it's 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 not 
it's rhetoric rather than conversation. And, and that's a big problem. People are, are focused on, on spewing rhetoric and believing rhetoric rather than I can have a conversation with someone that I diametrically oppose the thinking process that they may be displaying at that point and listen and understand what they may be trying to say. I may not agree with it whatsoever, but I'm going to take the time to listen to it and, and try to understand that point of view. And if they're open to having a conversation about it, I'm going to ask them the things to, to help me to understand why they came to that, you know, that, that perspective. But you um, know, in the, in the, of um, this person, she has a responsibility. She's in the public eye. Absolutely. And I was just wondering, do we not, we, no matter what race, culture, I mean, I, I, I respect all. I think, you know, you know that from our conversation last week, Anthony. I really do. But I think that we have some responsibilities that go beyond that. And I guess what I would say is hating each other and causing pain does not really help anything if there was a way we could sit down and see each other as individuals. I have a family. You have a family. I love someone. You love someone. We both want to work. We're both impacted by the coronavirus. If there was a way, and I think the media is a lot responsible for this, that we could see all the things that we have in common and that life is difficult for everyone. And that beautiful, um, story that Clark told about his, his and his wife's wedding rings, that they are patterned after rose bushes because rose bushes have thorns which can prick you and make you bleed, but they have roses that can touch your heart and make you feel better. And I think somehow along the way, and I'm not, I'm on both all sides. I think somehow along the way, we've lost that we're people with so much in common, children and, and a want and a desire for a good life. And I think sometimes to sell product and to get journalism awards, sometimes media does not, we don't hear all sides of something. And that doesn't mean when I say that, that there was any side that would approve of what happened to these young people who have been killed, not at all. But we've got to stop hate. And I, I just wish I knew, like I said last week, how we could break down these walls and talk to each other as individuals with so much in common, so very much in common. And I just wish we knew how to do it. And maybe in this organization, if we can do it one baby step at a time, but it, it is a very troublesome thing. And I think this kind of trouble in a way is worse than the coronavirus because it impacts people's hearts and the way they feel and the way, what they're going to pass on to their children. And it just makes me sad. That's all. But you know, you you actually you said something that that sparked something inside me. Um, when we speak about ACB in 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 groups in the ACB groups, the word family is used all the time. And yeah. you know, I know in my personal feeling, I, I found I found a new extension of family when I found ACB. But across a broader spectrum, you know, no matter how bad it is we still live in the greatest country on this planet. And the thing is that makes us all a family. Every single one of us that live on the soil of this country that work, breathe, eat, sleep, raise families in this country 
is we're part of a larger family. And I know I'm, I'm part of a huge family and there are plenty of opinions in my family that I don't like, that I don't just, that I don't agree with. But at the end of the day, we still find the love and we still find the, the basis of respect for each other. And that's, that's something that we need to hold the media and our politicians and the people that are in focus and in power, but not just power that are also in focus, you know, we need to hold them to those standards. We need to bring back the, you know, the feeling that we are still all one big American family. I think, and I think the best way that we can combat that we can combat various forms of media that isn't responsible is not only to turn it off, absolutely to turn it off. But then if you're going to call your congressman or you're going to write an email about voting rights or about transportation issues, then also call and vocalize these media companies for the things that are irresponsible or that are not, that are not productive that are being aired. And I, my, one of my biggest taglines is, I, I'm not a political person, but when I jump into the fray on an issue, especially when I'm posting on social media, I, you, can, you can take this to the bank. If I'm going to post something or I'm going to say something on one of the various shows, and I have you know a soap opera show as well, where we talk a lot lately since COVID started about some political issues and things. Uh, if I'm going to say something, it's followed up with an email or a call to someone because if I have enough in me to put it out there into the world, then I should also do it responsibly and make sure that my voice counts. And most definitely I will be using my voice this November. I try to encourage people, whether it's public correspondence or, you know, uh, like, I mean, I'm I'm here working for ACB Radio, um, and I may have a point of view and about something. It's one thing to make a global statement of, you know, this is true or that's true or these people or those people. I really don't like generalities, and mm-hmm. I think it's so important. I try to encourage people to say this is what's true for me or in my opinion this is what i would like to see happen or this is what i think should happen but to say because i can't even impose my values of goodness on everyone i can't presume that everyone has those same values i can't presume that everyone wants love (laughs) i do think that even people who act like they don't there's probably a part of a lot of them that does but there are sociopaths out there and psychopaths and very different values but i can say what's true for me and i can do my best to listen to what's true for other people individually Mm -hmm. one person at a time my father always said um if you don't take at least five seconds before you start to answer me, then you didn't hear me. And, and, you know, he said that so many times when, when I was growing up and as a kid, I, I blew it off. Like, yeah, 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 whatever. That's, you know, that's a good point. But, yeah. 
as I became an adult and I realized, you know, in conversations with people, especially when I got to college and, you know, where I grew up, there was a lot of the same kind of family. Um, and I was in New York City, so I saw diversity, don't get me wrong, but in my, in my neighborhood and in my family relations, you know, we were all alike. When I got to college and saw so many different point of views and realized, wait a minute, you know, these conversations are happening and you're already talking before I'm, I'm finished speaking or I'm talking before you finish speaking, then we're not really hearing each other. We're not really listening to each other. And that's, that's a, big, a, a big thing that we need to remind ourselves and those around us, but, but mostly ourselves. We need, to, we need to hear what the people around us and the people in, you know, in, in the rest of the country and the rest of the world, we need to hear what they're saying and we need to hear what they're, what they're feeling. Well, yeah, because many times there's a rant. <laughs> uh, beneath that rant, there's a vulnerable heart. Absolutely. Usually, usually there are three streams of, of thought in a conversation. I guess, I guess what I would say is that if we, if we can just see each other as one person at a time instead of this nameless group, it's like when a superstar stands up on stage, they yell in the microphone, I love you. They love this group because they've paid a lot of money to come see them. They love the adulation. But, you know, they're not, um, they don't love these individuals. And we've got to see each other right where we are. Maybe it's somebody in our community and, and see people as individual people with good and bad in them. Yeah, so absolutely. I, that, that is my hope and prayer that, and I always say that to the people I'm doing some advocacy work with, introduce yourself to your member because you will be a face and a voice and you won't be you're not going to be representative of the whole blindness community per se, but at least when they meet the next people or somebody comes in and wants to talk to them, they will say, I know a human being. I know an individual who is blind and I, I can speak from personal experience. The people that know someone, they are much more likely to hear you and be open. And so I just wish we could reach across and keep the best of our diversity, keep the best of our culture. But see each other as people and not as this mass of humanity that I hate you and you hate me. And it just, it just really, since I've had time to think about it more in the, during this coronavirus, it just hurts my heart. I just wish there was something we could do. And maybe what ACB is doing is right in promoting this family feeling and then trying to reach out beyond that. I don't know, but it, it's a very... It's a very sad time, and, and it, does, it does negate the positivity of our country. There is no question about it. Well, Debbie Grubb, thank you. Um, I, oh, I well, love, and I'm going to uh, shut up I, now. <laughs> no, but I, I can give you a, a sneak um, pre-announcement announcement. ACB is putting together a storytelling corp, um, which, you know, the initial focus will be on having, you know, gotten through the coronavirus and, and the issues on a personal level, putting a face and a voice to a story that can be used for advocacy going forward and for some media relations and so on. But the hope is to expand that into a program of ACB where, where all of stories that need to be told 
uh, can be archived and can be, you know, and can be shared amongst our family and then taken forward out into the world. So look forward to, there'll be some postings about it this week, actually. Um, the first boot camp event will be on the 13th. Uh, it's a Saturday. I don't remember what time we had said, but um, we're going to put together, you know, a, a training on, on how to effectively tell your story and, and get your point across. So please look forward to that. And please join us when you see, when you see the, uh, the Zoom invites posted. Thank you for coming on too. Chelsea, do we have anyone else? Looks like that's everybody. All right. Well, Debbie Grubb, thank you so much for coming in. And my friend from Philadelphia, thank you for calling in. Debbie Hazelton, thank you so very much for joining the conversation. I would like to thank Nancy, if you're still here. Thank you for last night as well. Trivia was amazing because you hosted um, thank you for the conversation today. Eric, Claire, Clark, loved the conversation. Hope you guys will come back soon. Stay tuned this upcoming week again for Pride Connection. And I will be back here next Sunday at 1 p.m. with another amazing episode issue uh, episode of Sunday Edition with Anthony. I hope you all have a very safe, healthy, and happy week ahead. Thank you. We're going to close out with a couple of promos here. Thank you. Do you remember BPI? Oh, yeah. Blind LGBT Pride International. They're a special interest affiliate of ACB. Yes, they are the ones doing all these cool things at convention. Guess what they're up to now? Do tell. Their own show. It's called Pride Connection. That's great. But what if I'm not a part of the LGBT community? This is a show for everyone. Actually, non-LGBT and non-disabled folks are known as allies, and they are a huge portion of BPI's membership. Everyone is welcome. So what kinds of topics can I expect from Pride Connection? Fun and relevant topics for everyone, from blindness to LGBT education, technology to advocacy. So when will Pride Connection take place? Every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in so we can all connect and learn while having fun. Pride Connection on On ACB ACB Radio Mainstream. Mainstream. You've been listening to Sunday Edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebration AC. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you, and let's brunch again next Sunday.